This is F. Byron Pinkney right now. This is our inaugural podcast. That's right, the inaugural pod- podcast. In the name of it, if it's not now, when? Not now, when? Well, what are we going to be doing this podcast? Well, the idea is for us to discuss some very, very important subjects, social subjects, spiritual subjects, uh, as it deal with our country in our world. And I think it's going to be exciting. I'm excited about this. This is the inaugural one. And uh, we're just going to be sharing some information and getting some perspective from various guests, not only here uh, in the city of Jacksonville, but around the country. I have some guests lined up that are going to be doing some segments for us. So we are excited about it. Again, the name of it is, if not now, when? If not now, when? But I'm excited about this one because my very first guest, my very first guest on today's podcast is Frederick Byron Pinckney Jr., it is my grandson. How you doing, Frederick? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. It was a delight to have you here, Frederick. It's just a joy just to see you growing up and develop. But listen, nobody wants to hear me talk. What I want you to do is tell us a little about yourself, Frederick. Just tell us a little about yourself and uh, just share some things with us. All right. Well, um, I'm the son of Shayla Pinckney and Kente Darlington. Um, I'm named after my grandfather, Frederick Byron Pinckney. Um, I'm a fresh. Well, I'm a sophomore at Clark Atlanta University, business administration major, and you know I'm just trying to find my way in life and you know create generational wealth. That's all right. Just tell us about now, 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 now. Since you're going to Clark, uh, tell us about your major. Did you just tell me what your major was? Say yes, it again. Sir, um, business administration. Oh, so you want to generate some wealth? Yes, sir. So you want to have some of those monies, huh? You want to make some <laughs> yes, monies, sir. huh? Yes, sir. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making plans right now. Uh, working on different things, so like real estate, I'm looking into that construction and everything. So I'm looking for different opportunities and different types of income instead of just one. That's outstanding. That that is that that is outstanding. What 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 made you want to get into the financial side of this? Tell me about it. Why why would you why did you choose uh, uh the financial market, financial industry? Tell me about it. Um, I've always been interested. One thing I've always been interested. And just another thing, I kind of just wanted to explore, you know, like we have a, you know, in today's society, we have a lot of black people, African-Americans who aren't financially stable. So, you know, that was a big part of it, especially just wanting to explore, create generational wealth and then be able to learn certain things and be able to teach it to other people. So especially my cousins and things like that. So, you know, be able to teach them about the market because that's that's very important information to know, especially in today's world. Like towards finance. That's interesting. Now, now, elaborate a little bit on that. When you were saying uh, you want to create generational wealth uh, for our audience, tell us what you what you mean by that. When you say generational wealth, uh, by that, I mean not only just having wealth for me, but having wealth for my kids and their kids, to where they don't have to work. Work is hard. Yes, yeah, so work is hard. To where they just, I know once I'm gone, once I'm up and gone they still have money to live off because of what I did in today's world. So I know I know what I do now will impact how my kids, how we're living, and how I'm able to provide for them in the next 10 years. All right. That sounds good. You know, that's the one thing about uh, in the African community, African-American community, um, it is not that we uh, did not want to provide for our children and provide for our next generation. Just because of the disparity of how things were, we thought about it. 
but it was just not known. It was not known in the, in the, in the, in the aspect of how we could get it done. Now some were doing it, uh, but not everybody. So that's a good that that is a good heart, a good mind to have to want to generate. Uh, have generational wealth. That meant that it could just keep going and going and going and going. Well, now, uh, you had a good year, your freshman year clock. Am I right? You enjoyed yourself there? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Now, what were you anticipating for your next year, your, at the end of your first, your freshman year, and you were looking forward to going back to school? What were some of your goals? What are the things that you felt that you could, you wanted to accomplish this year mm-hmm. that, 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 uh, that really stuck out? Can you tell us about it? Um, this year, one thing for me, I wanted to improve my GPA more because my goal is to also make it onto the dean's list. So that was one thing. And then another thing was to be able to create more relationships and opportunities because I had opportunities lined up before, you know, coronavirus, you know, impacted everybody. We had to come back home. So that was one thing. But I know as as the year goes by, I know those opportunities to come back, but I also have opportunities lined up in front of me now. So now, even though we weren't, I wasn't able to go back. I had more opportunities like this. This being able to stay in the house and learn different things was kind of a blessing for me. So, so yeah. So kind of what I wanted to go back into, what I wanted to do this year is kind of already happening for me. So one thing I'm working on is my um, well, I'm working on the clothing line with one of my colleagues okay oh, so we're working on that so it's just a lot of things that's going to it oh okay that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good now how did your friends uh did you stay in contact with your friends over the summer when you uh what when did you get out of school april may um we got out in march in march in march in yes, march sir. okay did you now did you stay in contact with your friends uh, uh, yes sir i still we, we try to contact as much as we can so i just talked to them not too long ago maybe a few days ago so mm-hmm. We try to contact and talk to each other as much as we can. Now, what's some of the cities that just your friends were in? Where, where, were some, where, they, where were they from? Tell me about um, that. Many of them were from, I had some from New York, some from Philadelphia, and then I had some that were from the West Coast, so some from Cali, some from Las Vegas. So I had a very, like, people were from everywhere. Oh, that's good. That's that, that's good. And right now you still stay in touch, right? Yes, sir. Now, most of your friends, are they looking forward to coming back to school? Um, uh, are most of them coming back? Or how, uh, how how's that? Some of them? Uh, yes, sir. A lot of them are looking back to, a lot of them are ready to come back to Atlanta now. So many of them have moved, some of them have moved to Atlanta, and some have, some are looking forward to coming back or want to go ahead and move to Atlanta. So you know it's a lot of people that really want to come back especially during this having especially having to leave early during our freshman year so. i can i can i i can understand that now at, at clark what did they do now who now since um school is closed and and they're not sure when they're gonna open back up but you're doing all your classes now online am i correct am yes, i correct sir. how is that tell me how how is that uh online being being since so many college kids are doing it now mm. how is that for you um Right now, you know, I'm kind of trying to get acclimated to it again, mm-hmm. you know, especially after we got off back in May. So, you know, I really haven't been, we haven't been doing online work as far as right now. So I'm kind of just trying to get back into the motion of it, you know, especially with the workload, just trying to get back and get back in tune with it and set up my schedule to be able to time it. Okay. And how many hours are you taking now? I'm taking 16 this semester. 16, 16. That's a heavy load. That's a heavy load. So you have classes just about every day? Yes, sir. What two to three classes, or one to two? Uh, uh, probably about two to three. Two to three classes every day. How long you stay in session? 
Um, maybe about an hour. About an hour. Yes, sir. Have you started your home? Have you been doing assignments yet? Have that gotten started uh, yet? I had. I got assignments on the first day. Oh, you did? Yes, sir. So oh. I've had a various amount of assignments that was due this week that mm. I've been doing. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good, Frederick. I tell you the truth. You seem to have your mind uh, really set on what you want to do and the way you want to go about it. That's very important because I hope, and we, uh, while we're doing this, I hope there are other college students going there. Uh, because let me just uh, share with you, when I, I went to college, that was a long time ago, back in 1970. My <laughs> God, I know that was a long time ago. But when I went to college, I'm going to just tell you the honest truth, uh, I went to college for one reason and one reason only, and that's all I did. I went to college to play in Florida a and marching band. <laughs> and uh, I was so, uh, that was it. My mind was set. And about two weeks in there, after that, I found that I had to go to class. I said, oh, my so, God, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to go to class, too. You know, I, would, I guess I said I was counting on that. But uh, I was set on one thing. I was there for the band. And uh, I understood I had to get college. But I was, I was focused on that. And listening to you now, a part of this generation, your, your focus is not, your focus is what can, you, what can you get out of that institution to better your life on the long term. And I, I like that. Yes, sir. I hope that's encouraging for others who may be watching, and I'm sorry, not watching, who are listening. Uh, a lot of, uh, many college students now are just going, some are going, they have a focus on what they want to do, but many don't. Yes, sir. And uh, the party life is a dangerous thing during this time, during this coronavirus, you know. The kids that I the kids, the young people who are able to go back to school. But I, I like how you're thinking, um, and um, and I, I trust that that will just develop more and more in your life as you go through. Because uh, these college, when you go back to school, I have I've heard, I was told this when I was in junior high school from an intern that was at, I was that was interning at my junior high school, and his name was Mr. Bell. I'll never forget that. And he said to me, uh, young man. The best years of your life are going to be those four to five years you finish spending college because you're going to talk about those for the rest of your life. And something else he told me, I'm a eighth grade at the time, and he told me, he said, don't rush to get out of college. Those are the best years. Go through the whole process. Uh, go through the whole four years. Enjoy it because that's going to be the greatest time in your life. And you know what? I can honestly say I can talk about my college years right now. I finished college in 1974. What's this? 2000 and what? 20. 2020. <laughs> and I can just about tell you about every year of my college experience. And I, and, but I, I like that you have your mind set and what you want to accomplish, and it's not just for yourself. Uh, that's, I, hope that's, I hope that's inspiring some other college students who are in school right now, now and, as, as, and, and for others who will be going to college next year. You keep that frame of mind. Keep that same frame of mind. But now, let's shift just a little. Because, because on this, as I told you, at this, at this particular podcast, we're going to be talking about other issues. Tell me what your feelings are the Black Lives Matter movement. How, tell me about that. How do you feel about that as a you know, what you're, 19 years old, getting ready to be 19 years old in a few moments, yes, a, few, a, few, a few months. So tell me about your feelings about the Black Lives Matter. Um, I feel strongly about it. I think it's a good movement, especially with what's going on in the world today. Like, we have a lot going on, especially with these um, police shootings and just killings. And not just the police shootings, but I think the Black Lives Matter movement should be moved more towards, should be moved towards the killings going on into our own communities also, because that's a big factor also, because it's a lot of killings going on. And it's a lot of people dying, and it's <clears> not getting resolved. So I think that's something that we kind of need to focus on, too, especially try to cut that down because it's a lot of innocent kids, you know, getting killed off of 
just drive-bys because uh, a bullet doesn't have a name on it. So, you know, and a lot of kids, you know, they're not expecting that. They're not expecting, you know, to play outside. And all of a sudden now, you know, they're laying on the ground and they don't know what's happening. Yeah. So, you know, and you see that you see that all over America. So, you know, that's a big thing for me. So I feel strongly about the Black Lives Matter movement. All right. Uh, from, I guess, in, in Atlanta, as any major city, metropolitan city in America, uh, that's going to be a really a, a really issue that you are going to be faced when you go back mm-hmm. uh, in a city like Atlanta, who has had some problems, uh, has some problems with the police, but also in the community. <clears throat> I agree with you there because uh, the problem is not just the killing of blacks by the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It's black on black, black on black killing, and that has been the biggest detriment to our community. And uh, so I think I think that is very good how you are saying that we also should be concerned about ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like that. I think I hope that is something that will resonate in the ears of others, young people your age right now, especially young black men. We can become our own worst enemy. Yes, and that's one of the things that the, the white community always focuses on when they say, listen, you're talking about Black Lives Matter. You need to tell one another that. And uh, I know sometimes that irritates black folk. Yes, but the truth is the truth. You know, it is what it is. We do. We uh, Places like Chicago, places like L.A., uh, Baltimore, major metropolitan cities, uh, uh, Atlanta, even right here in, right here in Jacksonville. Right here in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where we are coming from. You know, we, we realize that we are maybe speaking to people all across the country and around the world, but right here in the city of Jacksonville, Florida, we have a heavy, uh, a, a heavy problem with the killing of blacks uh, in our own community and, uh, and killing the most vulnerable people, which are children. Yes, sir. It's like you said, a bullet doesn't have a name. And so, Frederick, that sounds good. Now, tell me, also, how do you feel about, uh, tell us about how, you, how do you feel about HBCUs? How the Historic Black Colleges, that's where you're going. And uh, I'm a graduate of Historic Black College. Now, listen to this, everybody. Uh, Frederick's mother, my wife, uh, my mother, my father, uh, Frederick's auntie, my, my, my oldest daughter, Lisa, uh, we're all products of, of HBCUs, HBCA. In fact, my father graduated from FAMU when it wasn't called FAMU, Frederick. It was called FAMC. Oh, my goodness. It was that. <laughs> my father graduated from from Florida A&M in the 40s, and it was called FAMC. So our family is very rich now. But just tell us how you feel about HBCUs and, 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 and the importance of that in our society. Um. I think HBCUs are very important in our society, especially as African-Americans, because, I mean, it's not like an HBCU, you know, there's multiple colleges around America, and, you know, you might, you're not going to get the same experience from a PWI as you would at HBCU, especially when it comes to the teachers and just the atmosphere, mm-hmm. being around all different types of African-Americans. I mean, even though we're all black, you know, it's people that's all across, you know, the United States. So everybody has different personalities, you gonna, different for, tastes for, and everything. You're going to have to, because everybody's not familiar with that term you just said. Uh, you just said, you just said a P, 
W- PWI? PW. So, Everybody's uh, not familiar with that term. I so, don't know about it, but say that for our audience what pre- that is. Huh? A predominantly white institution. All right, all right. Predominantly white institution. So yes, so I just wanted to clarify that. You made a statement right here a lot of people are not familiar with. They don't hear that, yes, sir. and they don't they don't really know it that well. So I need you to go on and bring that out. You can keep talking, though. Oh, all right. Yes, sir. So um, especially with those, you know, you see it's a lot of people that believe that you can't get, you can't be great and go to HBCU, but you would be way better if you go to a PWI. And I don't think that's true because you have a lot of people, successful people who've come from HBCUs and they're doing amazing in life right now. So I think a lot of people in their minds, they should really consider HBCUs because the teachers, they're going to care more for you because you have places like Harvard, Yale, you know, all those type of places. They just want you to be there. They want you for that demographic of saying we have African-Americans that go to our schools. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that. Okay. And they think, oh, if I go to a PWI, you know, and they see my degree, it came from there, you know, then they'll give me a better job instead of if I came from an HBCU. And, you know, that's not true. Exactly. That's not that, that's not true at all. That's a misnomer. Uh, I'm glad as young people, as a young person, uh, as a as a as a a student for HBCU, you understand that. Uh, I've always felt that. I've always felt that all of my life, you know, from the standpoint of academics, because uh, one of the most important things is that teachers will care for you, mm-hmm. and uh, they are concerned about not only you coming to that particular institution, but they're also concerned about you finishing mm-hmm. and getting your degree. And uh, your, your, your education is just as good. It's just as valid. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make one other statement. Right here in the city of Jacksonville, uh, right here in the city of Jacksonville in the 60s and, and the 70s, um, there's a college here, Edward Waters College. It is HBCU of a small college right here in the city of Jacksonville. Now, uh, many of the, this is this, this is a statistic that a lot of people don't know. What happened was many of the, the graduates who came from Edward Waters who went into education, they taught school right here in the city of Jacksonville, Majority of the teachers that had master's degrees came from their waters. They have from, there was no school in this city that had more graduates with a with a master's degree than Edward Waters. And so what that tells us there is that that institution were able to put out students that that students that went on to a level another level of education that which it made it better for those they instructed but that came from hbcu i'm right here in the we're right here in the state of the florida university of florida florida state uh miami university of miami and other schools but uh duval county one of the largest education educational uh systems in the state and the majority of the teachers that had Master's degrees were graduates for Ed Waters, HBCU. So, <clears throat> Frederick, that's good. You keep that, and you keep vocalizing that, and we hope that we can spread that across America, uh, especially with our athletes. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think many occasions that uh, these uh, predominantly white institutions, they just want these guys in here simply because they can perform. Yes, sir. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they can perform. They can fill those stadiums. They can they can they can they can make the alumni happy. Consequently, alumni is going to put more money in the system. When you got a coach that makes seven million dollars a year, you know the school is not paying that. That's not the coach's expertise. That is these black boys out here running that football and bouncing that basketball, and they never benefit from it. If they don't go pro yes, and they don't get a degree, 
my God, my God. I mean, they have enriched the school and have done nothing for themselves. So I, I am I am a strong proponent of HBCU. Just imagine what would happen, Frederick, if all these some of these great athletes who go in these predominantly white institutions went to HBCUs. That's where your national champions would be. Yes, sir. I know it's that's a that's a big thing too. And a lot of people have been saying that. <clears throat> and I think like a lot of athletes, especially athletes that's getting ready to go to college and other ones that are still in high school, I think they really should consider going to the HBCU because really all it takes is it just takes one big group. That's all. The black athletes to just decide, okay, we're all going to go to HBCUs. Because, you know, without without those black athletes at those PWIs, those PWIs are not going to win games. They wouldn't, they wouldn't win one single and, game. And there's a lot of them who play – and then they might not do nothing once college is over. That's it. All they have is, oh, I played at a D1 school. But what do you have to show for it after your career is done? Because all they want, they want you for those four years, and that's it. And then they're going to be like, okay, see you later, I guess. Well, Frederick, you are exactly right. Back in the 60s, schools like Tennessee State, Grambling University, Florida A&M, they could have played any one of those major, those major uh, 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 white institutions in the state, but they wouldn't play them. You know why they wouldn't play them? Because they knew they couldn't beat them. All all of the stars were playing for those schools in those states. Now, after now, they were going to what would happen? These schools were going to the community and find all of our all of the best black players, give them incentives to come to the school. Now they now they want to play, you know, those uh, HBCU schools, but they can beat them because the, <laughs> why? All the better players are on their team. So they wouldn't do it back in the 60s. You think the Tulane would have played Tennessee State or University of Tennessee would have played Tennessee State, uh, Grambling. You think University of Florida would have played FAMU back in the in the early 60s? I know I was there. I was I was going to those games. Some of the greatest stars that in the NFL came out during that era. They wouldn't have touched them. They wouldn't have touched them. But that's a good point, HBCUs. And the last thing I want to talk about is voting. How do you feel about voting? Um, I think especially now is now more than ever everybody should vote and mm. i think everybody sees it that you really need to vote this year especially with and not just voting for president i'm not talking about that i'm talking about voting in the community voting for district leaders voting for sheriffs voting for council members everybody because they're the people that run everything inside of our city so if we want change with our police department and for them to do certain things we have to be able to vote and if we're not doing that, then it's never going to change. You are exactly right. Now, I know you're getting ready to go now. Uh, you're going to be going going back to Atlanta soon. Make sure you get an absentee ballot and vote before you go. Yes, sir. Oh, I already voted. Y'all, oh, I hear you already voted for the election, huh? Yes, sir. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. And that's another thing that I just want you to make a shout-out to all the college students. If you're going back to school, make sure you vote before you leave. Yes, sir. Make sure you send your absentee ballot in and vote before you leave because you cannot vote in that state if you're not registered in that state. So that's a good point. You know what, Frederick? This has been a good discussion. I have really enjoyed talking to you and and interviewing you at this initial po uh, our inaugural podcast. That's right. If not now, when from from uh, um, F. Byron Pinckney? That's that's me. That's my grandson. I'm talking to right here. <laughs> I'm extremely proud of him. I'm extremely proud of him. If you had to just close out and say something to all the all, let's let's just say you're speaking to all of the black community, and uh, it whatever age group, whether it is young 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 men and women as yourself or young young men and women in high school preparing to go to college or those who didn't go to college and planning their life, if it's something that you had to say to them right now, what would it be? What would you like to leave them with? Um, 
I say just stay strong, keep your head right, you know, stay prayed up, cause that's a big thing. You know, you really want, you really want God in your life, especially now more than ever with everything going on. You know, just mm-hmm. make sure you pray, make sure you do whatever you can, and you know, just stay with family, talk to family, cause you never know what's going happen so you know just stay safe good word good word good word good word frederick this has been exciting this has been exciting to to interview you today and you've said some very provocative things i think that can really give direction to many young people you seem to have your head your head straight and all i can say to you as your grandfather i'm gonna say to you keep your head straight just just do it until you will go far and uh, I'm not, you will be able to accomplish the things you want, but also I believe that you are going to help improve the lives of some people in your life and all those around you. It's exciting, and I'm very excited about it. Well, we've come to the end of our initial, that's right, I'm, no, I'm sorry, not initial, our inaugural podcast broadcast, uh, if not now, when, talking about some very provocative subjects and some subjects that I think that are going to really, really, really make our lives more informed of the things that we're doing. Well, Frederick, thank you so much for being a part. Uh, certainly appreciate you. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, yeah. So what I'm gonna do, even while you in college, I'm gonna ask you to record me some interviews, and we still gonna find out how you doing now that you that you are back into the to be ATL. Yes, sir. Enjoying the life and uh, enjoying the life in the ATL. Amen. Yes, so thank you so much. Certainly appreciate it, Frederick. And uh, Have a great day, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time on that podcast. If not now, when? By F. Byron Pinkney. Have a great day. Bye-bye.